0: How is it in Chicago?
1: Uh, it's nice. It's very, very nice out. It's like uh, 48 degrees right now. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, it was like 30-something when I took the dogs on a walk, so it might be up there. I know it's going to get warmer today. Let's
1: check. Happy February in climate change world. Fucking yeah. 48 <laughs> degrees out. 46 over here. So, a balmy 46 degrees. At dusk last night, it was 55 in Chicago. I am not complaining, but I did grill out four fairly large (laughs) ribeyes. I went to a place, Steve, I, I texted you about this earlier this week. I went to a place that's brand new near me. Let me bring up the pictures so that I can get the name right. It is... I text you a lot of stuff. Here we go. Park to Shop, Supermarket and Food Court, J Plaza. You remember the place that we went to when we were up in Wisconsin, going to the Mustard Museum, that like mixed Asian, Japanese, Korean grocery store that also had a food court. This is the same thing as that. It's just like an eight minute drive from my house.
0: Oh, nice. So uh, it's not the big Korean market or Asian market. I don't know if it was Korean. H Market, was No, no okay
1: so this place is brand new on milwaukee as you're leaving town you're like headed out toward whatever's north of even me right so past niles and uh like i said brand new although it looks like they took over an existing space because their food court is not full yet And so I did not get any lunch because I was just like, well, there's a soup place and there's like a dumpling place. But what I really want is like a Korean barbecue place, right? Like I want some like red pork. And they didn't have that, which is fine because they had all sorts of other stuff. And I bought like a whole ribeye. They had, you know, cut steaks and they had fish and all sorts of other stuff like uh, bull dicks and and whatever else um, in their freezer section. And I picked up some steaks because I thought, well, I'll have some steaks too. And then right next to it was just like a whole ribeye. And I thought, 60 bucks for a whole ribeye? Yeah, I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to cut it down myself. (laughs) I probably got 15 steaks out of it, so we'll be eating on that thing for a minute.
0: Wow, did you uh, vacuum seal, or you you know you'll get through them before you need to worry about it?
1: I cooked four of them last night. I wrapped the others in plastic wrap, put those into a um, freezer bag, and put that in my freezer.
0: Gotcha. Cool, cool.
1: So who knows when we'll have them. And I also, I mean, I portioned them out of steaks, but they'll also be good for stir-fry or whatever else. A million years ago, at my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent, and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants, and he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this, and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. Did I say this out
0: loud last time? Well, first of all, do you even have a vacuum sealer? I do. Um... So, uh, the the other question was, with all your accoutrements, uh, have you tried to make your own Cinnamon Toast Crunch?
1: No, I have not. There are a number of cereals that um, require really specialized equipment. I don't know that Cinnamon Toast Crunch would necessarily need that, but I wouldn't be able to make them square, right? So, I get the feeling it would be like a... Almost like a graham cracker kind of a recipe, and then you would just have to sort of like break it into pieces. But I, I've i not tried to do that yet. I'm going to be looking up a clone recipe for um, Twinkie batter today, so I may as well look up a clone nice. recipe for Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Why not?
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be... Uh, Twinkies, I imagine a a clone recipe, if you have a round, roundish pan, they're going to come out looking the same way. But I know like when you're like, Hey, this is a payday recipe that you can do at home. They look so (laughs) bad.
1: Right. When you make candy bars at home, you very quickly realize that they all look like very healthy bowel movements. Yeah. Uh, which is why I still say that, uh, Snickers intentionally put those veins on there to at the very least be like, let's give them something else to look at. So it doesn't just look like a poop. Yeah, because they took the veins away for a minute and people freaked out, so they put them back on.
0: Even uh, even milk duds look like uh, rabbit or deer droppings. Large ones, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Makes me wonder if that's what kangaroo poop looks like, but I do not know the answer to that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm relieved that you do not know the answer to that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In the Weeds with Ben Randall. I am Ben Randall,
0: and I'm Stephen Cadwell.
1: And as I am on quote-unquote vacation, hashtag don't tell my boss, this week, Steve and I are recording again very quickly. So if you listened to the last episode and did not get a chance to respond to our call out for like, hey, what sort of a restaurant do you think D-list celebrities would be involved in? We're just going to go ahead and barrel right over that and do this today anyway. And so as we get responses to that, we'll happily amend this and and add them to future episodes. Absolutely. I feel like we had an update on something. Let's first talk about that. The uh, the gal in Benton Harbor who got fired for the tip. Let's do that first. Yeah. And then, the and then do the um, the restaurants.
0: Okay. Let me oh here. It's past your uh, weird pools. Okay. The from the Guardian. So this is a British paper, right? Yeah.
1: Watch out. The British are paying attention to this. <laughs> they don't even tip in Great Britain.
0: Yeah, it's if there's a reason to move to Great Britain. Um so I, you you read it as well, right? Yeah. So what are what are your what are your takeaways?
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to say I called it, but I called it. So what I presumed the issue was was one of two things. Either This gal, Lindsay, had ongoing behavioral or work-related issues, and they were in the process of gearing up to fire her anyway when this happened. And then afterward, they were like, yeah, you're still doing the shit we don't like, so we're going to fire you anyway. Or it turned into a micro-social issue in the restaurant based on who got some of that tip and who didn't, which is essentially a scheduling issue, but nobody knew that was going to happen, right? So again, let's say there were 10 servers on, They each get $1,000, but then there's 10 more servers who weren't working that day, and they're wondering why they got left out of that math, seeing as how the other nine didn't do anything and that. So it turns out, according to this article, it was something similar to that second thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, according to this. Oh, and it, we should also mention, I guess just for uh, anyone that's following along or not following along, that this was uh, a lot of this information in this article came through her lawyer which she retained after evidently the restaurant threatened to sue her because she posted something on social media, yeah. which I don't I don't know as they would win that lawsuit, but having to go to court and everything is a big pain in the butt. So she did remove whatever post it was talking about the circumstances of being fired or just being fired, I don't know what. But that that I feel like um, so before this it's like, well, I don't I don't have any ill will toward anyone either side, either party, but that I feel like was a little dirty on the restaurant's part, yeah. Um, and potentially so was firing, though, I don't know how complicated it got. According to the article, it was the back of house staff who um, were raising a stink um, right. about not being cut in. And to the wait staff's credit to her credit, She evidently would not tell them the names of the people that were um, upset.
1: Yeah, so that's where this gets interesting. So the, the article here does indicate that people who were not on shift that day were complaining that they didn't get anything, but that wasn't such a big deal. But then kitchen crew, who were on shift at that point, were also complaining that they didn't get cut in, and that's fine. My people... Back of the house people consistently make less money than servers do. And that's been a contention for the last 300 years, right? Like, that's never going to get fixed as long as we have tipping culture. For them to be like, the fuck did you even do? I made all the food. And you get this $10,000 tip. You know, servers are essentially disposable. What about me? That part makes sense. I can't imagine any cooks being that... Like pursuing it, being that grumpy about it. I bet they complained, and then I bet they stopped. The management said to Lindsay, "Wait, who was talking?" And she wouldn't give them up, which is really cool on her part. Like that, the fact that she said, "Oh no, no, I'm not ratting out the cooks who talk to me. That's that's not your. That I'm, I'm not doing that." And then that apparently is what got her fired, which is that now turns into some serious BS on the part of the restaurant management.
0: Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, uh, other interesting things uh, to note, or another interesting thing to note, is that uh, she split uh, the tip with seven of her fellow waitstaffs, fellow servers, so they each got about uh, $1,200. Yeah. Um, which is a substantial decrease from $10,000. Again, I don't know what taxes the restaurant thinks they paid on any of that. Because um, that's not mentioned, but... uh um yeah and that would also seem to, that that jives i just did the math it it's uh, actually 8.333 so she would be 8 so there's a little bit of change left over there so uh um maybe that maybe they took a little out for taxes or whatever but it doesn't seem like management or anyone else then would have taken a cut if 1200 is what each of the 8 got
1: Yeah it's interesting so Lindsay went to her managers sort of in a goodwill gesture to be like, yo, the cooks are pissed about this. And then the management said, which ones? And she was like, I'm not, that's not what this is about. I just want to you to know that your kitchen staff is upset. And then she was fired specifically for not saying, oh yeah, it was that guy.
0: Yeah, for not, not being the rat.
1: Yeah. Who's running um, the kitchen is the question, because the person running the kitchen should know that information anyway. They should, whoever that person is should know, it's these two cooks who are crying about this or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, and and if if it led to her being fired, um, I'm just wondering if they have issues with disgruntled um, back of house for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, um, that that would get them in such a huff about it, the, like management.
1: it's I don't know. It, it, it's 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 a classic mid American restaurant where tips don't go to the back of the house anyway, so I'm sure they didn't even think about it. And for – so first off, it's unfair for the cooks to be upset about that anyway. We're going to do it. Like, I understand why they were upset, but it's unfair for them oh, to be sure. upset anyway. But then there must be some sort of an underlying issue in the kitchen or in the treatment of the cooks or in their pay or something for it to become this big of a deal.
0: Yeah. And, and – uh... I mean, in the, really, there's nothing the restaurant can do, right? That right. was on the tip line. They, The restaurant can do nothing with that money. It's right. not the restaurant's money. Correct. So they can't dictate anything about it. Um, so, yeah, it's just curious. The, the other thing that re- this really sort of uh, highlights is how a goodwill gesture can go awry.
1: <laughs> You're right, yeah.
0: Cause usually when we hear about this stuff, it's just like, oh, wait, waitstaff got this giant tip uh, near Christmas or whatever, isn't it great? But you don't, you don't hear about the acrimony that that causes yeah. in that establishment. When uh, I mean, imagine if um, uh, your uh, folks gave ten thousand dollars to one of your siblings and nobody else. <laughs> That's gonna, I mean. It's going to cause some friction, right, at family gatherings?
1: I mean, yeah, but that's targeted. So, like, this server, no offense to Lindsay herself, but, like, she didn't do anything to earn that tip. And that's not the point of that tip either, right? Like, this dude happened to be sat in her section, and he was going to do this anyway, as you said, as a goodwill gesture, to whoever brought him that food, right? So there is got to be that as well, which is the, the, the cooks and the other servers going, you didn't even do anything for this. Why yeah. are you getting all this money and, and it just happened to be a dice roll that you got that table? Yeah. Whereas, yeah, if my parents gave one of my siblings a bunch of money, I would be like, wait, 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 wait. This is clearly a message. You're not randomly <laughs> doing this.
0: Well, yeah. Well, if one of your siblings found $10,000 alongside of the road going to a family gathering and go. then didn't yeah. share it. <laughs> um, I, with but my uh, siblings,
1: I wouldn't expect them to. Also, I wouldn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah I mean it's it's whenever that happens in the, and so if you're gonna do a, a grand um, gesture like this maybe give twelve hundred dollars to eight people at different places versus ten thousand dollars at once yeah. I mean I'm I mean this person what what the one said they just come from a funeral right
1: yeah
0: oh wasn't that it and so this was kind of in honor of whoever had passed and I'm not throwing shade on that the motive or even doing it by any means Um it's just interesting that, that you can never know the best of intentions, you know, when you try to do something good, how that then affects the uh, ecosystem in which you, you dropped the goodwill.
1: So there is a sense when you see something like a $10,000 tip on a line that automatically that server is like, sweet, I can do X amount of stuff with this money. From the restaurant perspective, from a manager perspective, it makes the most sense business-wise, morale-wise, socially, to say, okay, we have 21 employees total. We're going to take this money and split it evenly among everybody. Not the management, not the ownership. Just so that it's like, you know what, this person left this massive tip in – Honor of their friend, but we're gonna just spread it all the way out so everybody benefits a little bit. That one server gets kind of pissed off because their cut goes from ten grand to like five hundred bucks, but then everybody gets five hundred bucks they weren't expecting, right? Yeah, that would be huge for everybody. There's that. Yes. There's that scale, right? Like, if you are doing really, really well, five hundred bucks is nothing to you. But if you are living paycheck to paycheck as a uh, divorced mother of two in mid Michigan as a server, five hundred bucks could be massive as far as your quality of life goes right uh 1200 bucks is as well but like if you were to split that money all across the board and give everybody 500 bucks then also as the management of the restaurant you have engendered more goodwill like broadly more goodwill from your staff than if you were just like nope that one server gets it all she's the one you're mad at (laughs) yeah and then to handle it wrong like this and then also fire the person like yikes bad look but I mean, with the
0: with the money being left on the tip line, the management can't can't step in and divvy that up, right? Unless it's a tip sharing restaurant to begin with.
1: Unless it's tip sharing to begin with, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was really the prerogative of uh, the uh, wait staff to to do that. So, but yeah, I mean, it is. Um, how do you make that decision? Because you're right, and even even just thinking about it in those terms, five hundred dollars doesn't seem like that much less than twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. You know. To, to keep everybody happy?
1: Well, and there's no reason not to... So let's say it is a tip-sharing restaurant so that money can be distributed not at the whim of the management but in that sort of a, a mechanism. Why not have a staff meeting and just say, look, there are three things we could do here. We could either let Lindsay keep all this money and then all of you will hate her. We can split it with the other servers who were working that day and then the front of the house, back of the house rift is going to get way fucking worse. Or we can split it among everybody who works here. Everybody will get not much, but more than you normally would. And on top of that, management will throw in a pizza party. You know? There's no reason not to pick that third option. Although maybe that whole staff <laughs> knows Lindsay and they're like, let her keep it all. You don't know. You don't know until you talk to those people. And it's just this stonewalling restaurant standard bullshit, which is like the less we tell our staff, the less we have to worry about. Telling your staff everything all the time is actually a pretty good way to make sure that they're invested, they're involved, and they're able to make good decisions on the fly, and they actually hang out better as a group.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think if if I if it was a tip sharing restaurant, I'm gonna go by what I know from when I worked at Starbucks, um, I, uh, in terms of how they did things. I think that the um, probably the most fair o- o- way to do it. Or just, I don't know, probably more fair than just, um, would be like, so, you know, uh, Ben, who comes in for three hours on Sunday, um, doesn't necessarily need the same amount as Javier, who's in the kitchen uh, six days a week, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Do it proportionally.
0: um, Which is, so at Starbucks... I'm assuming it's the same way. It's tip-sharing, so you put the tip in the jar, you're not tipping the whoever's on bar, you're not tipping the whoever's at the cash register, you're putting that into the tip pool and then it doesn't go to management at all, but then uh, someone that's counted, it's um, the number of hours worked by all um, baristas is added up. The tip money is divided by the number of hours and then however many of those hours were yours, Yeah. Is multiplied by the. So so that seems to be an equitable way to do it. So
1: if there if if there are 40 hours total worked that day and you worked 10 of them, you get a quarter of the tips.
0: Right. Yeah. And and if this is like in this situation, you know, uh, I mean, again, that that would be, you know, an equitable way to do tip sharing. And then you just to keep back of house happy you throw them in there as well and then, then it gets tricky because then Javier who works uh, six days a week uh, you know 10 hours a day or whatever is going to get a lot more than the server yeah. who had the $10,000 on their, on their check but I mean
1: and that's why like this needs to be treated as an outlier like uh, attaching normal tip sort of standard handling to this is probably the wrong way to go and obviously was the wrong way to go like someone's lost their job over this now Just saying, look, we're taking this money, we're dividing it by the total number of staff, everybody's getting a little bonus, You know, uh, this is mid-Michigan, so they'd probably pray a little bit, and then uh, everybody would be happy enough, because nobody would feel ripped off, right? Even though there was no expectation going into that shift that they were going to get anything. So there's no justifiable reason for anybody to feel ripped off anyway. If that server had gotten a $100 tip, the kitchen staff wouldn't have been like, well, where's my piece of it? It's just because of the volume of money. Yeah. Well, and,
0: and restaurants being restaurants, there's probably other wait staff that have been giving her the side eye anyway. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. you know, that's just because there's so much, so many more front of house, <laughs> um, you know, that, that, and there's just weird things about why, does, why do they get the good shifts? Why uh-huh. are they, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so even And even $100 in that situation is going to make people uh, upset. Right. Um, so some of that, there's just no getting around it. It's Whenever anybody has a good day, um, one, somebody in the restaurant hates them because they didn't have that good day.
1: Well, and this is like a, a G-rated version of a Coen Brothers movie, right? Like this restaurant found a briefcase <laughs> full of money, and now by the end of it, a divorced mother of two is unemployed now, right? Like yeah. nobody died that we're aware of, but yeah, you come into any sort of a large chunk of money, ladies and gentlemen, it always ends badly.
0: Yeah. And I don't I mean I don't know whether it speaks to just restaurant culture as a whole or specifically Mason Jar in Benton Harbor, but you got to wonder, you know, if this kind of uh, stuff went down over what should have been, you know, a, a pleasant and yeah. and joyous, you know, happening, you got to wonder like, hey, do I do I still want to hang around here and
1: work here because <laughs> <Yeah>. that that <laughs> That blew up real fast. Oh Well, that – and as the management of that restaurant, you've got to be very closely watching the servers who were not on that day, who were not involved in that tip payout because all of them are now very grumpy. Because, again, there yeah. was no expectation on their day off that they were going to get some sort of a cut of a massive tip. But now they do feel ripped off because it just happened to be that a select group of the other people who were in the building also got some of that money. And to them, that's going to feel – uh like a ripoff like they were not involved even though they essentially qualify as being part of that group so i would be watching those folks because they're going to get disgruntled in a hurry and they're going to start doing the kind of shit that servers do when they're disgruntled which is being extra nice to tables to get those tips to pile up by giving away free food by not charging refills on drinks things like that things that will harm the restaurant
0: yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Are they going to be nicer to tables or worse to tables? Because I could also see it as well from both perspectives. So if I'm if I'm looking for a place to eat in Benton Harbor, I'm probably going to avoid Mason Jar Cafe. <clears throat> Excuse me, not because of any um, strong feeling I have about this necessarily, but even just on the whole, well, I don't want to be expected to be giving uh, to give this huge tip at the end of a meal. <laughs> I'm going to avoid them for a little while until that cools down and things even out because I don't want to be stared at while I eat in hopes that I'm going to be the next person to drop 10000 Right,
1: right. Well, and the other social part of it, social professional part of it, is that let's say you're a cook at this place and you already have legitimate concerns about whatever, right? Like you're a cook. You're not making as much money as the servers. You are working more hours than they are. Things are hot, heavy, and sharp all around you all the time, like classic cook stuff, right? Now... Every single day when you get ready to go to work, you also know if something awesome happens in the front of the house, you're still going to be left out of it, right? And so before that was not really a concern. Like you just sort of understood servers make more money than me and they do way less work and they're kind of uh, big princesses. But that's just how the system is built. Now these folks in the kitchen have experiential knowledge of – And if something out of the ordinary that's awesome happens, I am not included in that. And I never will be. So right off the bat, you have a morale dip in the kitchen, which didn't need to happen. And that's on top of whatever normal – just because cooks whine and cry about stuff. That's just how it is, right? What's what we do. While we are extremely high-functioning and we're able to crank out a whole bunch of food, cooks also like to whine and cry about things that are just like, that's just part of your job, dude. (laughs) You know, I worked with a guy very briefly at one point who went up to the he was a cook. He went up to the chef, handed him a bunch of leeks and said, these leeks are coming in way too dirty. You have to talk to the produce company about sending us clean leeks. And he got fired because the chef was like, the fuck are you talking about? Washing leeks is part of your job if you're prepping leeks for stuff like this is a ridiculous (laughs) thing to say to me. But cooks will still say shit like that because we're we will do whatever we can get away with. Right. And so now this group of hardworking people in that kitchen are going, well, if anything ever happens that's just weird that benefits people, I'm not one of the people that gets benefited by that. No matter what.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like finding out a coworker that does the same job makes more than you. Like, how do do you go back to doing your job with the same amount of vigor as you used to?
1: I've been very clear about that with my company because there are certain things that just have to happen granularly, like on the ground, where we've come into a new school year or something has happened where we need to hire somebody and I redo the math on my payroll and it turns out I can hire somebody at a higher rate. And home offices are always like, all right, cool. And then I go back to home office and I go, but I need to give some people some raises as well because I can't hire a brand new person in at a higher rate than these people who have been here because then they're going to quit like they and i will support them in that right and so i've gotten pushback a couple of times this time last year i actually negotiated with home office for a mid-year which never happens pretty decent pay hike for my staff with the promise of another pay raise when they came back in the fall and they all did because that's the kind of work that if you're paying attention on the manager side it does not take much to keep people happy. It doesn't have to be ten thousand dollars. Right. It does have to be I acknowledge you and here's a symbol of that acknowledgement. If it's five hundred bucks, holy shit. I would like to have five hundred bucks right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. If I was a I cook mean, at Lindsay's restaurant and she was like, Look, and I would make her the ambassador of that. I would make her go back into the kitchen and go, you know what, guys? I just got a ten thousand dollar tip. I am deciding we're gonna share it with every single person who works here. You're all only gonna get about five hundred bucks, but it's more than you had before, right? Then she's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Like, this is one of those things you can turn into a huge victory. Yeah. And and when I
0: waited tables, I mean, an extra $100 would have been uh, awesome.
1: Right. Now, this is all 2020 hindsight. This all probably happened very, very fast. Yeah. You've got maybe two owners and a manager. You've got different voices in the room. You've got people figuring that they have to handle it really quickly, which you don't need to do and and a mistake was made a double down was made a woman lost her job yeah right like those things didn't need to happen in that order and there, it's very easy for me to sit here and say this is how i would have handled it i don't i'm not juggling 10 grand that i need to split although i only have six employees and i wouldn't take any of that money myself so they'd make a lot of money (laughs) somebody (laughs) just handed me 10 grand
0: And you guys are a non-tip operation, so uh, (laughs) it would be even more out of the norm. Well, I mean, and and even this is not something that most restaurants will probably have to deal with. And if they do, they probably are only going to have to deal with it once.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, good example of cooks complaining. In the meaty thigh of COVID, the school that we're contracted to work for with, near, in, we don't work for them, that we are a third-party operator at their location, my venue was given a grant by the federal government that went to a lot of institutions like schools and uh, daycares and stuff like that for what they called employee wellness bonus. And it was money that was just supposed to be distributed to the staff. Uh, Here's extra money. Take care of yourself. Everything is on fire right now. Everything sucks. Here you go. School did the math on it, and it was about $1,000. And I had heard nothing about it because we don't work for the school. We're a third-party contractor. We're beloved. Don't get me wrong. School says to me, the CFO called me on my telephone, which generally, like, if my phone rings, usually it's bad news. And the CFO says to me, hey, is it okay if we include your staff in this program? And I had her explain the program to me, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, that would be awesome. You don't need to do that at all, and I need to clear it with home office, make sure it's okay. Because we're not supposed to accept gifts, and it's like, a $25 Starbucks gift card from the parent group, that's fine. If they want to buy me a car, that's bribery, you know? Yeah. (laughs) $1,000 sits in the middle of that. So I called up Home Office, and Home Office was like, that's fucking awesome. Say yes. And I was like, all right, great. I really wish Home Office talked like that. (laughs) Uh, I cannot imagine the payroll lady talking like that. So I tell my staff this whole story. There's six of them. I was included in it as well. I was very happy to receive this money, which I didn't like need it, but, you know, always happy to get some money. We get the money. Well, it's taxed because it comes through the payroll. It was part of the PPP program, you know. I got one cook who was like, "This isn't a thousand dollars; it's like eight hundred and fifteen dollars." And I looked right at him and I said, "If you don't want it, I'll take it from you. That's okay." And that dude, within months, didn't work for us anymore. I'd be like, "Look, asshole, you were just given a large amount of money. You're gonna fucking yeah. complain about it for real? Holy shit!" But cooks will complain about anything they possibly can. <laughs> they will go out yeah. of their way to complain about some shit. So. Yeah, what kind of a restaurant operator are you that you don't know that by only giving this tip out to the front of the house staff, you're going to start a fire in the kitchen? How do you not know that? We will complain about anything. (laughs) If it's raining, cooks are complaining. If it's sunny out, cooks are also complaining, right? It's just what we do. It's
0: too hot. It's too wet.
1: I've had people come into the kitchen and say, why is it so cold in here? Like, you were complaining about it being too hot at 7 o'clock last night. Fucking calm down. (laughs)
0: Maybe it's one of those things where like that's the that that's fuel, yeah. so if they yeah. weren't complaining, they couldn't work. <laughs> okay, I just noticed this in the corner of my screen because I don't know what I had to open, um, but it is an advertisement for cachava. Okay. Um. It's a drink, right? Yes, I'm gonna text this to you. uh Oh. They're pouring it out of a out of a little blender cup, but. Tell me if that's appetizing, and I'll tell you what I think it looks like.
1: Oh, it looks like either a weird cartoon tongue or a poop.
0: I thought it looked like a tongue. That looks totally, to me, like a mouth with a, like a big old cow tongue just slurping right out of there.
1: Like, if that made a sound, it would go, ah. <laughs>
0: not not a great advertisement Kachaba. uh yeah. not relevant to our conversation but i just noticed that and i was like oh
1: so <laughs> honestly it looks like a fairly ripe sourdough starter <laughs> it does not look like a <laughs> beverage at all
0: no it's like it's i guess they want you to know that it's thick so
1: yeah it is yikes all right anything else to say about ten thousand dollar tips steve
0: uh i'll i'll take one but other than that
1: <laughs> right on okay so i'm gonna bring up my list of so we talked about this on the last episode ladies and gentlemen i don't know how we got to it but if d-list rest or d-list celebrities and we're we're defining this however we want to <laughs> were involved with restaurants what would those restaurants be now how did you approach deciding what sort of restaurants they would be
0: uh um i the either what they're known for or just whatever sounded good to me okay. so uh so um, i also yeah.
1: added to it that there is a scenario that happens where it's not like these folks decide to open a restaurant like bon jovi you sent me an article bon jovi has a place called soul kitchen he opened this place on purpose where it's all volunteer run and there's no prices on the menu it's intended to be a place where if you are down on your luck, whatever reason, you're homeless, you're unemployed, whatever, you can come in there and eat and it's extremely good food. It's not a soup kitchen. It's extremely good food and you don't have to pay anything. However, if you're doing okay, you can go in there and eat and pay whatever amount of money you want. You can pay $10,000 if you want to. He partially funds that restaurant, but also people know they can go in there and drop a whole bunch of money and they're doing good and they're getting good food, right? So I didn't set up my list that way. I set up my list as some person Comes to a celebrity and is like, I have an idea for a restaurant. I think you'd be perfect to not only help fund it, but just having you involved with it is going to be good PR. So that's how yeah. that's how I set my list up. And there's
0: definitely some celebrities on those lists that were the same way because like co-owner of, co-owner of, part owner of, yeah. so... Um, and then the other person is either a chef or just an investor or whatever. So it's like, okay, so they wanted, you know, Justin Timberlake's name or whatever.
1: Right. Well, like Wahlbergers is a perfect example of that because Mark Wahlberg, it's his brother who is the chef of that place. And yeah, that's a recognizable name, but also having like legit Mark Wahlberg involved, that helps out a lot with yeah, uh, possibly not quality, although I've never eaten there, so I don't know. But, you know, with name recognition at the very least.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, how about you start? Do we are we in the same order?
0: Probably not, because I I just worked on these kind of randomly, okay. and then um, through through the ones that you'd thrown at me at the end. So, uh, but I can find you know I went analog, so I have mine on a clipboard. Oh, I have mine on um, my
1: notes app on my new laptop. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So the the first one that I thought of, and I thought of as I was leaving, walking downstairs from talking with you the other day is uh, Ben Browder's Chowder House.
1: Nice, Ben Browder. I'll scroll down to him.
0: Um, and then for Futurama fans, there's an episode of Futurama, beloved episode, Crackers Don't Matter. So their slogan is, <laughs> Where Crackers Do Matter. <laughs> ben Browder's Chowder House.
1: All right. So I kind of wrote little stories about these. <laughs> so for Ben Browder, And this, I I then went back and learned about him, and it turns out he's from Nashville and he was raised in South Carolina. But in my head, for some reason, Ben Browder is like a backwoods Minnesota kind of boy, right? I don't know why that is. (laughs) And So what I wrote is, Ben Browder slings some money to his high school best friend who is opening a hometown sports bar called Coaches or Scores or Shooters, right? Something like that. You know there's there's that bar in every hometown? Yes, yes. He accidentally, Ben Browder, accidentally takes over all daily operations when his friend is arrested for domestic abuse and crashing (laughs) his pickup truck into the town dam. (laughs) 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 Because I just have this sense that every single hometown has a bar called Coaches or Scores or Shooters, and the 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 front-of-the-house manager sometimes bartender, is the failed, like, star high school quarterback, right? Like, whatever happens 10 years after Friday Night Lights happens at that bar, and it's the same cast, right?
0: Yeah, reliving the glory days. Yeah. There's actually a place called Glory Days. Bingo, um, yeah.
1: So that's my bad brother.
0: Uh, so, and and you did, when you were doing your research, found out that he was even a star football player. Yes, so it fits that well, paradigm as well.
1: Well, he looks like it. Dude's built entirely out of bricks, which is fine. Like, it's a good look for him. And
0: uh, I think being from South Carolina, the East Coast kind of thing, I think Chowder House, it's not, it's not northeast, but still, I think a Chowder House is uh, yeah, you know, no, and appropriate. It's,
1: it's easy to say and easy to remember, too.
0: Yeah. All right. What's your So, next Ben Browder, one? I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> yes. Get on one of these.
1: God, so, when I post this episode, should I tag everybody on our list just to see who likes <laughs> Like, is Marissa Tomei going to be like, ooh, what's this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. All right. So, what's your next one?
0: Uh, it is, um, who Marissa, is sorry. Marissa Torme. Okay. I would kept saying Torme, and so uh, it uh, yeah, no, yeah. But so when I was like, "How do you spell Torme?" Kayla told me. I was like, "No, it's that's not it." And she's like, "Oh, Tome." I was like, "Oh yeah." I was totally conflating those two. One of my so
1: it's, it's funny. One of my things. One of my tasks for today is to go to Costco, and another one of my tasks is to. Uh, go to Half Price Books to look at their records because I have a record player again and I want to get some Mel Torme records because I don't care what else you want to say about Mel Torme. They didn't call him the Velvet Fog for nothing. Boy can sing.
0: Yes, absolutely. Agree. And and was a very, like, uh, he was on Carol Burnett a bunch of times and, of course, Night Court. Very, a very fun and funny guy as well. Um,
1: he showed up. Good sense of humor. He showed up in a sci-fi show, but I don't remember which one. And he was like this... Shady informant guy who would show up every so often. I forget what show that was. Tell me your Marissa Tomei thing and I'll look up Mel Torme.
0: Okay, I had I had two. So either Marissa Tomatoes, <laughs> which would be like a salad and steak place, and their thing would be uh, try our award-winning Miss Steaks, which are like smaller steaks for uh, petite people, but also in reference to the Oscar that everyone... Th- said was mistakenly given to marissa tomei right um four which is my other uh if she has a wine bar it's uh marissa tomei's my dozen Vinos."
1: <laughs> nice <laughs> i did not name many of mine which is interesting um i wrote for Mar- marissa tomei Full-service Italian deli. She'd be the lady either behind the counter yelling to customers about their orders, but also knowing what their order was already, or would be behind the register writing down her meatball recipe on the back of a receipt.
0: Yes. I love it.
1: Now, this one... this also one, very fitting. This, like, isn't so much somebody came to her with some money as it is... I looked it up, and this is unfortunate, but in 2008, she wrote a cookbook with Mario Batali and is oh. well-known for the spaghetti and meatballs recipe that's in there, which she prefers to a Thanksgiving dinner. Because I Googled Marissa Tomei's favorite food, and Marissa Tomei hates Thanksgiving dinner, eats meatballs instead, came up, and then I found that out. So this is less somebody comes up to her and more that, like, her favorite deli is in danger of closing. And she swoops in and is like, you know what, motherfuckers? I will come in and help finance this, and people will come in to see Marissa Tomei. Who apparently, like, these, she still looks like she's about 36 years old. She's doing yeah. great.
0: She, and she's been working, just not, you know, no no... For whatever reason, it happens to a lot of women in Hollywood, you stop getting the phone calls from the yeah. the big major motion picture kind of stuff. But, yeah, I have no ill will toward uh, Marissa Tomei at all.
1: Yep. Although, spoilers for Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, she did die in that one. Yeah.
0: Very sad. The, the character, I presume. Her character, yeah.
1: Marissa Tomei doing just fine. <laughs> 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 all right, who's next for you?
0: Um, it's, I wrote all mine down first, so my next one is uh, – and you'll have to let me know if I'm uh, – I know we got rid of some. Okay, I think I know. Okay, so it is uh, Ed Begley Jr.
1: Okay, cool. You're on your own with this one because I don't know much about this guy, so I don't have anything for him. This is where I ran out of time.
0: Uh, he's he's someone who has been in so many things, yeah. and oh, I'm not going to get it right. It is not Kentucky Fried Movie. There's a, one of the sketch movies, uh movie that's just a bunch of sketches, and one of what I think is the funniest sketches ever, where he is son of the Invisible Man. So if you're listening to this right now and you're able to stop it right now, <laughs> Google that and watch it because it is sincerely, I think um, it's one of my top three sketches ever. He's son of an Invisible Man, and it kind of it's set to be like this place, like where the Invisible Man, if you've seen the old horror or you yeah. know monster movies, the like the. The uh, bar, the apartment above the bar, kind of thing, where the Invisible Man um, stayed when he was on the Lam, and um, so I think it's like some uh, officers or somebody come into the place, and um, the staff is like, "Oh, you're looking for so and so, who is the son of? Uh, I forget the guy's name, the character's name that was the Invisible Man. Um, um, his son lives here, and the whole th- they set it up so that he has." Um, they're there to arrest him or something like that. I forget, but but what happens is he strips naked and everyone there plays along like he's invisible ah. because they don't want to hurt his feelings, nice. but he's just naked and <laughs> running, running. And like, you know, he picks something up and they have to be like, oh, it's floating. How is that happening or whatever? It's it's absolutely great. He's also in some um, uh, Christopher Guest movies. So... Uh, um, and then the, the, there's a reference in uh, uh, Futurama that for some reason Ed Begley Jr. is responsible for the electric motor or, or water-powered car or something like that. Yeah,
1: he's a big conservationist. I remember reading an article years ago that his house is insulated not with like any sort of a spray foam stuff, but with ground-up denim clothing that okay. otherwise would have gone to a landfill, and it's apparently a great insulator, as anyone who wears jeans knows.
0: <laughs> well and he he bikes a lot of places and i guess yeah. he gets uh um i don't know if harangued but but uh made fun of or whatever he's noticed that he's biking everywhere so knowing that um uh again because i was i was going for for titles so it's ed bagley jr
1: nice that's a slam dunk
0: and uh, our bagels are senior is their uh <laughs> um slogan or because he bikes a lot Peddling the best baked goods.
1: Ooh, I like it.
0: So that's that's my Ed Ed Begley Jr.
1: And the icon is a bagel with a guy on a bike, like ba- like biking across the top of the bagel. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yo, yeah, absolutely. Like like the bagel was the earth or whatever, in yep, his yep. bike. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love it. So that's that. And like I said, go go Google that sketch because it's very funny. Um. So you didn't have anything for nope, him, right? Nope. So next, I had Kevin Pollak. Did you have Kevin Pollak? Yeah. Get get. Okay. So, um, again, because I'm just going for uh, hit movies or whatever, um, uh, it's Kevin Pollock's The Usual Fish fish Sticks.
1: Nice. See, Pollock (laughs) being a type of fish, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then their slogans would be, is it Friday already? Um, Which is, I guess, one of his lines. Or what what I'd prefer is, we'll flip you for real. (laughs)
1: Love that. Uh, also, maybe we should add... Oh, what is that dude's name? Now I'm going to forget it. Benicio? Yeah, Benicio Del Toro. Add him to this list. <laughs> late yeah, late not th-
0: Yeah, I think he might take exception to be considered D-list. Yeah, D- yeah.
1: <laughs> so for Kevin Pollock, you know, because I also... Try, I, I went back and forth like you did between like the person and characters that they played. And for Kevin Pollock, aside from the usual suspects, I don't know him from a lot of stuff, but he is... He is an author, he's a radio uh, personality, and he has a podcast, and it tends to be about fairly intellectual stuff. So in my head, he would seek out ownership and opening of a cigar bar slash cheese shop slash uh, whiskey library that he co-opens with Kevin Bacon. I just love the idea of two Kevins opening up a place like that but I didn't come and, up with a, a name for it. Unless you wanted to call yeah. it like K2, which would be pretty funny now that I've said that.
0: Yes, I, I was thinking 2K, but yeah, K2, that'd be great. Yeah. Take uh, K2's uh, a whiskey library or something like that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great.
1: And just super chill. All like deep red leather kind of wood, brass, that sort of thing. And uh, like really intimidating if you're not into cigars or cheese or whiskey, right? Like you walk in, you're like, I'm in the wrong place. You yeah. <laughs> know, I was looking for coffee. Because he seems like a pretty chill dude. Yeah. It seems it
0: seems like someone who would also be like, yeah, if you're gonna hang out with him, is you're gonna hang out with him at a cigar bar. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, who's next on your list?
0: Uh, Sean Astin. All right, cool. Uh, again, I had two two options here. Um, Ham wise.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, which opens at eleven z's, <laughs> or just eleven by Sean Aston.
1: <laughs> Love both of those, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so ham wise, obviously, uh, you know, it's it's more, th- it's 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 not it's not just honey baked ham. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of ways uh, ham incorporated into a lot of. So you know, you can get your ham fried rice. You can also get
1: carbonara um, pasta. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so it's ham, just ham centric, but not not just you know a side of ham
1: that's amazing
0: i have another ham themed one later
1: (laughs) um so for sean astin i mean honestly Hamwise could be the name of the place that i made up for him which is a bar and grill that does surprisingly good barbecue sean astin is the kind of silent partner who comes in to sit at the bar chat with the regulars and buy rounds he's there to draw people in not in a self-aggrandizing way but just because he wants the business to do well so like i have this feeling and i don't know if celebrities are this way if I was super rich, and I moved into a neighborhood, and I found a restaurant that I liked, and then I found out they weren't doing great, I could see me going to the owner and being like, let me buy in. Let me buy in. I will just occasionally hang out here. It'll become known to a certain very niche group of people that I sometimes hang out here, and then business might improve because of that. That's the kind of thing I think Sean Aston would do. He would just find a place that he really dug... Buy in, and then occasionally just show up and hang out for a couple hours, drink some drinks, talk to some regulars, sign some autographs, and business would boom for that day. And especially if it was called Hamwise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't. I, Sean Astin's one of those people too that I don't know why he hasn't had more of a uh, an A list career. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think I, I, I think one of the reasons might be. He's been typecast as a super nice guy, yeah. and I think he probably is just a super nice guy. So it's hard to to break out of it because even Samwise, blockbuster movies, yeah. but he was playing a super nice guy, <laughs>
1: <Yeah. clears
0: throat> you know, um, very, very pure, innocent, super nice Um and and so uh m- maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm glad but he's working, he's he's getting work, so that's good. We just watched him in uh so we're on a. Uh, Kaylen, and I get on little kicks where we're like, we're gonna follow the career of whomever yep. for yep. as many as much of this stuff as we can find and watch. So we did it with Lonnie Tupu, who was Crace in um oh, Farscape. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um so we're we're on Ben Browder right now. We're doing Ben Browder movies, and Sean Aston popped up in one that um It's, uh, it was a graphic novel initially, Bad Kids Go to Hell, and then there was a sequel, Bad Kids Go to Hell 2, or, I don't know, Bad Kids, more Bad Kids, I don't know what it was, (laughs) um, but Ben Browder was in the first one, and then he directed the second one, and, um, that's the one that Sean Astin is in, and, and his daughter is also in it, which is, I think, the first time that they were, they worked together, she wasn't in it very much, she was just in a little bit, they have a, a scene together, which was, um, kind of, kind of fun, but, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, Sean Aston is just uh, – in there he was playing like the headmaster of a um, – uh, or, or the – whoever the – they don't call him principal if it's a private school, right? Whoever the head guy is a yeah. dean. Head of the school. Or dean. Yeah. Yeah, it could be dean. Um, so uh, – and, and he was very – I don't know, very – he was very Sean Aston, which – but you got to, you know, got to love Sean Aston. so well, anyway. He's,
1: he's got a bit of a Brendan Fraser kind of a vibe, right? Like maybe just a little bit too nice to be in that industry.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, maybe Brendan
1: Fraser should be on this list too. Crap.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We could have done... Oh, well, well too yeah. late.
1: All right. Who's um, next after Sean Astin for you?
0: Were we doing Bruce Campbell? Sure. Um, this, I mean, this is low-hanging fruit, but Bruce Campbell's Soup Shack. Nice. Nice. <laughs> With all-you-can-eat booming breadsticks. <laughs> or as they're called there, boomsticks. Boomsticks. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was all. That's all I had.
1: Uh, I wrote burgers. Big, fat, awesome burgers. Restaurant will be called Ash, baby. He has nothing (laughs) to do with day-to-day operations, but randomly shows up to do weird shit like pack-up-to-go orders. (laughs) I I love it. I didn't want it to be Evil Dead themed, because you know me and food being horror stuff. I hate that so much. And and calling it Groovies is just way too easy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Groovy. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Well, he was also in Briscoe County, Jr., which sounds like it could be like Briscoe is yeah, it could almost be a like brisket. Place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was a fun show. Uh, he was also the was – he was wasn't he a bad guy in uh, Burn Notice? Yep. He's, he's been in – he's another guy. He's got a
1: lot of work. He's one that you and Kayla should put on your list to watch all of the uh, movies of because he has done so many movies that are, like, intentionally bad. They're, like, so bad they're good that he eventually made a movie where – it's meta. The people in a town are being terrorized by the ghost of a samurai that has been has laid dormant in a mine shaft, and it gets released. And so they contact Bruce Campbell, the dude, to come and fight this thing because they've seen all these movies of him fighting stuff like that. And the whole movie he's there, he's like, "I don't, I am an actor. I don't know how to fight a samurai ghost." And that's the entirety <laughs> of the movie. It's amazing, but it's worth watching the rest of his movies first to get to that point.
0: Yes, he's he's also in a terrible movie with Sean Astin. <laughs> <laughs> that I think is called Avalanche. He's he's the bad guy uh Bruce Campbell is and Sean Astin is is the hero and it's uh the Rift Tracks version is the one to watch. It's it's very fun. Neither of them are responsible for the horrible script. <laughs> um like the script has has some issues, but uh uh yeah, I just tried to Google to see um If he had a restaurant, I don't think he
1: does. No, but then, like, the article you sent me where the very first one, it was like, celebrities who own restaurants, very well-deserved. The very first one was Danny Trejo, who has a taco place and a donut place. And that dude has stealth done so much good in this world that nobody ever knows about. It's amazing. And then he's like, fuck it, I'll make tacos, too. Why not? (laughs) Why not?
0: Oh oh, uh, I think Kayla just texted me the name of the movie they're in Icebreaker.
1: Ah, I don't know that one. Uh
0: you well there's no reason for you to know it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I still have today and Friday off so I might have to make some popcorn and do an afternoon movie. <laughs> um
0: all right. Um next on my list is Will Wheaton if you got nice. there.
1: Yes, I did get to Will Wheaton.
0: So mine this is a little bit more of a um So this is my concept for Will Wheaton. He own he he his stuff is sold at farmers markets. Oh, okay. And it's all stuff that he has um um groaned grown grown and uh and um preserved himself. Oh, okay. So whatever whatever that might be, whether it's fruits or vegetables or whatever. Um and it's called canned by me.
1: I was trying to figure out, as you were talking, how you were going to work a Shut Up Wesley in there, and that's t- I was going totally the wrong way.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I th- Shut Up Wesley was the first thing I thought of, which I do think would be a great name for a restaurant. I don't know beyond that, like, conceptually what it would be, but I would go to Shut Up Wesley.
1: If he had a grilled, a fancy grilled cheese restaurant – this is not what I wrote down. If he had a fancy grilled cheese restaurant called Shut Up Wensleydale, I would go there. <laughs> A hundred percent, especially if it was one of those like the grilled cheeses, uh, grilled cheese press that I have that makes an image on the top of the bread, and it was like the the symbol of the Federation on top of each sandwich. Yeah, I would totally go there. Yeah. But those
0: are the those are the two things he's known for, right? Stand by me and Star Trek.
1: Yep, and now tabletop games, which is where mine comes in. So what I wrote for mine was somebody would approach Will Wheaton with something super niche or specific like a bao dumpling restaurant that also does like boba tea. He'd have a tabletop gaming room in the back where it was always open for pickup games, but one night a month Will would host the game.
0: Nice. Yeah, that would definitely draw people in, I think.
1: Because when you're playing a tabletop game, you want hand food. You want things like maybe there's also like spring rolls or egg rolls or some sort of like a crunchy little but nothing messy because you don't want to take up too much space on the table. And you want to be able to eat with one hand while you're also rolling dice or whatever. But I did not have a name for it.
0: Does he do like a a podcast about tabletop games or how how is it? Or maybe he
1: has a YouTube channel, I don't know. He's trying as hard as he can to make tabletop gaming a thing. And it seems to be catching on. Like, we do some of that here at the house. Right now, my computer is on two boxes of the Catan games, which are great.
0: I it, I think it is a, a bit of a thing right now because some of the strange ads that I see in my Facebook scroll are for like shelves where you could put all your board your yeah. board game boxes without having to you know push the ones off the top they each come out individually. Well, there was a so.
1: split during COVID lockdown kind of stuff where some families went highly technological and kids had like Oculus Rift and and things like this where all of the family members were doing their own electronic I'm pretending the world's not on fire thing and some families went to I'm gonna buy Star Wars Monopoly right or Catan and we happened to do a little bit of both like that's where the kids really ended up with their own laptops and things like that but we got into tabletop gaming Uh, if you're a tabletop gaming nerd don't come at me right like we didn't go way hard on it (laughs) We just we just did a little bit of it, and we continue to. My daughter is kind of obsessed with Uno these days, which is fine because now I carry Uno reverse cards around on me, and she'll ask me for something, I'll whip out that card
0: <laughs> and make her get it herself. Yeah. <laughs> Does it work? No.
1: She's eleven. She's too smart for that. But I try. You know.
0: I love I love conceptually. I love it.
1: All right. So after Will Wheaton, where are we going?
0: Charlie Sheen. All
1: right. Sweet.
0: Um. His restaurant is called plate tune <laughs> and it's an automat
1: perfect yep. everything's sold by the plate <laughs> yeah uh, I went more like Charlie Sheen the guy vibe okay it's a bar lounge music venue where all the wait staff are topless a la Chippendales so it's the guys <laughs> and the ladies yeah lots of velvet booths No real food service lots of cocktails and stuff but there are a dozen pizza taco chinese places around the area that regularly deliver to the back door okay so like if you're if you're a regular at charlie sheen's bar lounge music venue then you know you can say to your topless waiter or waitress hey you know get me some food and they'll get you some food
0: cool i could uh, that that does fit my uh imaginary version of who charlie sheen is right right um next i had carrot top did you get something for carrot top yes all right uh this is carrot tops bottom of the barrel we <laughs> scrape it you eat it
1: <laughs> it's an all pickle and sauerkraut restaurant yeah
0: and like the dregs of wine or whatever yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. wow uh, this is the shortest one that I wrote. I wrote, he runs the most amazing Chuck E. Cheeses ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, the other thing I could I could see is like if he um uh is like, hey, you know what, Gold's gym, I'm gonna rent out a little bit up front and it's like protein shakes and, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that kind of business um because he he got scary.
1: So yeah, if if he had a juice bar called Carrot Stop, where no matter what sort of a smoothie you got, there were carrots in there somewhere. Yeah. And you could buy a, a, a shaker, like a protein shake shaker thing that was orange and had a green lid. And yeah, if you brought yeah. it back to them, you got a certain discount. Yeah, I could see Carrot Stop being a thing.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> he's Great he's too. his
1: giant arms to, like, move the blenders around and stuff.
0: Yeah, as much as he can. They have to be, yeah, you know, yeah. this far apart because you can't put your arms closer together. That, um,
1: he went so hard on the rebrand of like yes I used to be a goofy prop comic but now I'm this giant muscle guy and it didn't pan out but he was just like fuck it now I'm a giant muscle guy forever and it's still not panning out but like you gotta admire the dedication to that
0: yeah but the thing is like he's got his his face and that. my I man <laughs> this is true for like most people that do like competing in uh, in uh, muscle shows what are they called bodybuilding uh that it's always like, okay, but your face just – I would never – if I saw you walking – if I just saw a picture of, of your your head, I wouldn't imagine that body yeah. beneath it. Um, and he's one of those people because he, he's like – he's more Yahoo serious than he is yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a bit of a disconnect.
1: Well, that and like it's weird to see people change because now he looks like Axl Rose did in like 1991. And Axl Rose now looks like that lady from Throw Mama from the Train, right? Like just to watch people – change like that is so strange
0: yeah yeah that's what aging does for everyone i guess yeah um alfonso roberto was my next yep
1: you know who um, that is right for, for anybody yes. listening who does not this is carlton from fresh prince of bel-air
0: yes also he was the friend in silver spoons correct uh back in the day and he hosted the show that mark summers hosted like he took over for mark summers for the it was like a how it's made for candy um, on Food Network sure, or wherever sure. I think um, I forget what it's called. And he, I'm, he's also done other things. Um, so uh, this is riffing off of the Fresh Prince um, stuff. His restaurant is called. It is unusual, <laughs>
1: okay.
0: and it's just unique tapas from. Oh. It's a tapas restaurant, but everything you know, not everything is very unique.
1: I love that idea. Honestly, like I would <laughs> legit go to that place. Of all the ones we've (laughs) talked about so far, aside from Sean Astin's Bar and Grill, like, I would go to that place for sure. It is unusual.
0: Yes. (laughs) So not your typical tapas. Right,
1: right, right. Uh, I wrote down, he has a coffee shop, bookstore, vinyl cafe. He's always there. And there's no Tom Jones on the jukebox. (laughs) Yeah, that would definitely be true. He seems like another one of these guys who's very nice and would just really dig having a very chill place where people could come in to get coffee to look at books to buy vinyl but also to see that guy and just be like holy shit it's carlton yeah and then they go to the jukebox and they're like i want to play it's not unusual and it's not there
0: yeah they want to try to get him to dance and he's just it's prohibited and there's a big sign no tom jones
1: (laughs) (laughs) just like no stairway to heaven yeah
0: yes (laughs) uh next i have Lindsay lohan
1: now do we agree she's a d-lister and has she like um, earned that?
0: I mean, does anyone earn?
1: I feel like she came at it like like Bruce Campbell came up into being like a B movie actor. She came yeah. from the other side. Like she was A list for a long time, and has I think I feel like she's earned her way into D.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do think some of it was. Um, I don't know, as all of it was her own hubris. I think there's a lot of stuff that fed into, and she, I believe she's having a bit of a Renaissance. Yeah,
1: Situationally, like she fell into the abuse that a lot of young people who get fame and fortune right off the bat fall into. Like, I get that. Yeah, Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Um, so our intent isn't to throw shade on Lindsay Lohan. It's just that we, I think she fits into the, yeah, C or D for sure. Um, and, uh, and that's not a judgment on her ability or anything either. It's just, you know. Or her as a um, person.
1: Yeah, it's career
0: art. Right. Yeah. So, I again, I had two. <laughs> uh, one is, this is my other ham one, Low Hams.
1: Nice. Nice. Which
0: is a pork loin centered restaurant. Of course. Yeah. And the other is Second Chances, which is a high class restaurant where they serve food that has been dumpster dived. Yeah. <laughs>
1: reclaimed food yes yikes i went to a place yesterday here in chicago that what they do they're a demolition company and they tear down buildings but then anything they can save that's useful they put into this warehouse and you can go there because i cut a hole in a closet in my house to get at some plumbing and i wanted to close that up but i didn't want to just close it up i wanted to put a door there so that if i need to get at that plumbing again it's easy right so i did that i bought a cabinet door there and some hinges 12 bucks Oh wow! So reclaiming construction materials, great. Reclaiming food, I don't know. But that. <laughs> that's a little, that's a bit of a stretch.
0: Or, or maybe it's just repurposed leftovers. But it's you yeah. know, it's it's the second time around for some of the food. So yeah. maybe there's maybe it's like maybe she owns two places. One place is like uh, whatever, and then the second chances is, is it's the places the leftovers from that place from the day before that they repurpose into other other food, and it's like legitimately good. But it's, you know.
1: You know where it came from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So for mine, and I just came up with a name for it. Uh, the name is. Piège parental. Lohan co-funds some really high-end fine dining spot, like at the top of a skyscraper in Manhattan with some high-profile lawyer or hedge fund manager or something like that. They hire an up-and-coming young chef from Belgium, but Lohan constantly brings in large groups of her friends and demands off-menu items. Now, (laughs) the name that I just read in French, that's French for parent trap, because I thought that was funny.
0: Now, Lindsay Lohan actually does uh, co-own some places. Yeah,
1: yeah, which I learned today.
0: Um, Yeah, um, Caleb's like, doesn't she own a restaurant? It's not a restaurant, it's a club. It's a beach club in Greece, right? A yep. couple of them in Greece that she co-owns. So um, she is a bit of an entrepreneur in that regard. But uh, yeah, um, Parent Trap also I thought would it be a, a way to go, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do with that. But I like it.
1: All right, do you, um, you want to do Ricky Martin next and end with Axl Rose?
0: Yeah, I do want to end with Axl okay. Rose because yeah. it's my favorite. And that's the I will one that just I wrote say, the most on. <laughs> for... Uh, Um, you had Bruce Boxleitner on the list for a little bit and, um, got rid of, which is good because all I could come up with was Scarecrow and Burger King. Okay. Um, but that was it. And it was just a play on words because Scarecrow and Mrs. King was, and then I found out that he was like, he's been in all the Trons. Like, he's, he's a hard worker. And Babylon 5, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Babylon 5 was another big thing. Yeah. Um. Mm, Big is a stretch, but he was in it. (laughs) I couldn't think of any, um, uh food puns that sounded like Babylon 5. Um so uh Ricky Martin and this I just have the title of the place I didn't uh, but but I guess it could also be the uh the slogan Feeding La Vida Boca.
1: Ooh, I like that a lot. See, now we can just take that name and add it to what I wrote, which is Puerto Rican fish forward restaurant that's also a dance studio and nightclub. At night nice. there's no food service, it's all just cocktails and dancing. And of course it would be like in Miami yes yes feeding la vida boca i like it and then at night they turn off some of the lights and it's just called bocas perfect oh yeah
0: nice <clears throat> there's a boca raton it could be in although there a different go. boca um all right so axel rose <laughs> yeah. i uh two but the second one is a little more fleshed out so the first one that i thought of was sweet chili of mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love it,
0: which would just be a Tilly House. But the uh, the one that I'm more partial to, I think, is Gums and Dozes, which is a geriatric restaurant
1: <laughs> where you can where also you don't d- nee- you can also need you need teeth.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't need teeth. Everything is served that is really easy to eat. Um, and you, all there's no chairs. Everything is a Lazy Boy, so you can immediately recline and take a nap after you eat. Now,
1: is there an age requirement? Because I would totally go there right now.
0: No, no. It's just <laughs> that's the, you know, you just have to know that the food might, you know, everything might be accessible through a straw. Yeah. So you have to be prepared for that. And then, yeah, you're in a Lazy Boy, so you can immediately lounge and take a nap.
1: Amazing. I would totally go there. Uh, So what I wrote is Axl Rose and a partner buy a closed Planet Hollywood and renovate it to be a Guns N' Roses themed bar and grill called Paradise City. They're they're sued nearly immediately by Slash, so they have to close, but part of the settlement is that Slash gets the restaurant. Slash immediately renovates that into a pizza joint called Fall to Pizzas and is sued by the remaining members of (laughs) Velvet Revolver. Their settlement is that he (laughs) buys them all into the restaurant and they open up 20 more locations nationwide. (laughs) Nice. Because I would go to a Velvet Revolver-themed pizza place called Falda Pizzas immediately. I would go there. And I just loved the idea of Axl Rose opening a successful restaurant and Slash going, oh, no, 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 you don't get that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where's my cut? Exactly. Uh, Putting this list together was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. As soon as I started making little stories out of it.
0: Yes. And, and uh, I mean, I think um, you would agree with me that if any of these people hear about these and actually want to make them, we're, you know, we're happy to not claim any sort of, I mean, not that we could claim Ben Browder's chowder house as our own anyway, but, uh, you know, (laughs) the idea of it, you know, we we, we don't, we're not hold on to any of these if anyone wants to make them a reality. (laughs) Axel, if you want to make gums and dozes, do it.
1: Well, I mean, he's at the right age for that, too, now, especially because he looks like that lady from Throw Mama from the Train. Uh, Also, like, if any of you high-powered, rich celebrities who we've talked about today want to open one of these places and need a consulting firm, I don't have one, but I could make that up. Steve and I could uh, come and help you open your restaurant.
0: Absolutely. We're happy to consult.
1: And then get sued by Slash. I'm here for that, right? Like, I would love to have on my resume one time I was sued by Slash.
0: Yeah. It's just cred for us.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I have no assets. There's nothing to take. So Slash could sue me, but there's no there's there's no benefit to it. Except it would look rad, like, under my objective on my resume to not get sued by Slash again. Like, I would love to have to <laughs> tell that story in every interview forever.
0: Uh, so I see in your resume it says uh, not to be sued by How did you – when were you sued can, by
1: Slash? Can you expand on that? <laughs> <laughs> Are there other celebrities you don't want to be sued by? yeah what if that was the goal like i don't want to be sued by slash again everybody else though sue away i'm here yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's the second time That's really it's really the uh the the one to avoid
1: yeah oh man that was worth my time steve that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that quite a bit and i don't think more time would have helped me out i like that i had to do all that in about a half hour
0: yes yeah um it wouldn't have i don't think it would have helped me either um Especially because I think Axel Rolls may have been the last one that that I did, and that was ended up being my favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's an easy one to make fun of, just because that dude, very much so, has made poor decisions that have landed him where he is.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, and bringing it all, well, not all of it together, but uh, the lady from Throw Mom from the Train is also the mother in Goonies. Oh yeah. And I feel like um, the the Fertelli uh, mother. Yes. Yeah. Mother of the Fratellis. And uh, I feel like he has always sung like she sound, sounds.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Especially when she like yells. It's like, oh yeah, that kid. So, So the fact that he is beginning to look like her, it, it totally jives in yeah. my brain.
1: Yeah. All right. So this is, if we stop right here, about a half an episode, Steve, how do you feel about that? Should we try to pad this out or are we good for this being a midweek quick recording?
0: Uh, I'm fine either way. If if uh, so which whichever way you want to go, I didn't. I know I don't have anything else primed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Why don't we plan to record again on Friday? I do want to talk about the banana article that Craig sent us. Yes. And yes, there was one other thing, but uh, that's not enough for a full episode yet. So I will um, look around. I mean, we could talk about that wild New Buffalo place too. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, and we can talk about Flippy's restaurant. So we can put all that into the next one.
0: Okay, cool. Sounds good.
1: Yeah. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any ideas for C and D list celebrities, not just actors, but that, I mean, when you do a Google search, those are the first ones that come up. Musicians, uh, sports figures, that sort of thing. Who you think should open up very, very specific restaurants. Please feel free to let us know. Include a story if you would like. We could do story time with this. The best way to get a hold of us for something long form like that is intheweedswbr at gmail.com. My Instagram is Chef Ben Randall. You can send me a a DM on there. I'm on there a distressingly common uh, amount of time. I'm I'm there a lot. I'm on Instagram a lot. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. uh, If you just search for In the Weeds with Ben Randall on Facebook. And Steve runs a website for us.
0: In the weeds, WBR.com.
1: where you can see kachava uh, being tongue poured out of a, <laughs> a jar. <laughs> it looks like that thing should probably be investigated for like sexual abuse. It's a it's a gross picture, and you can yeah. see that if you want to join us in, in being horrified.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: But because this is a quote vacation week for me, once again, hashtag don't tell my boss. Uh, because I am sort of working right now. Like there's there's stuff going on at work virtually right like i just don't have to be there to make food right because we're on a break um but i am doing work but not like hard work and i'm not working long hours uh we can do stuff like this this is our quick little midweek uh, recording i'll probably drop this this is what day is it wednesday i'll probably drop this friday and then we'll record that one on friday and we'll just start parsing them out like that sounds good Alright, so for In the Weeds of Ben Randall I am Ben Randall
0: And I'm Stephen Cadwell
1: We'll talk at you sometime later this week
0: Bye-bye